Well, it's good to see you. Happy Easter. It's, I've heard a lot of people saying he is risen. And you may not know that, that Christians from the very beginning were saying that to each other. So one would say, he is risen. Then they would answer, he is risen indeed. And I know there's some people, I know first, I was talking to one of the guys here at church and he goes, I don't think everybody knows what to say. I'm like, well, we don't always know what to say. But anyway, that's just a very ancient tradition. I think it's pretty cool. How many are glad it's springtime? Yep. And I see a lot of the spring colors. I know I looked through my shirts and thought, what was the loudest, most electric pastel I got? So, uh, but I, what I love is, I, you know, it happened this last week, I think, when I was driving. Uh, I was driving and all of a sudden I realized the Bradford pears had, had popped those little white blooms out all over. And it seems like this year there's more than ever as you're driving around. And, and one of the things that always is sad is because they don't last that long. It seems like here in Missouri, a lot of times they'll all be out. And even now, you can see them in the parking lot blowing around the little petals, and then we'll have a storm and knock them all off. And, but it's so beautiful. And then you see all the grass start turning, and the trees start sparking. And What does that make you feel? Renewed. Do you feel hope? Do you feel hope? The theme for today is hope. You're going to hear that a lot this morning, because I want you to walk out of here with hope. I want your heart to be full of hope. And I think it's important to think about, and I, I know that you know, the, the Easter happens at Passover, and that was all very prophetic, but it's also spring and that idea that life is coming back. There's hope. Hope. I would rather have hope, wouldn't you? You ever around people that just are not hopeful? You know how that feels? You just kind of feel down, and you, you don't want to, but you kind, of, you kind of subconsciously avoid them because... It's almost like they're down and you're, you're, you're not feeling quite up and you want, you want to be around people who have hope, right? I mean, the people who realize that this isn't it, this, this, home, this is not our home, there is life beyond this earth. Regardless of what you're walking through, there can be hope. Hope over cynicism. Hope over rage. Hope over victimhood. Hope over bitterness and darkness. Hope over blame. People need hope. You know that, right? Do you know the difference, the biggest difference they say between people who survive tough situations and not? It's hope. That's going to sound corny, but maybe some of you can relate to this. In college, I needed a PE credit, and I was looking through the PE options, and uh, there was a survival class on there. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. That sounds like the most fun ever. So it was. And so we did, I literally took a survival class at Cal Poly Pomona. And you know what the graduation was? We had to go above the tree line and survive for two days. And I found the most incredible catch of termites, I'm just saying. If you want to know, if you want to be with me at the end of the, you know, the apocalypse, I'll feed you termites. But <laughs> that's not the best part of the class. Here was the best part. It was the first day. I will never forget it because we're sitting there in class and the, the, guy, the, the professor lecturing, he's, he's lecturing and he was talking about hope. And I thought it was so strange. Like, why is he talking about this? I want to learn how to eat termites. Not really. I want to learn how to survive. And he kept going on about hope. And here's what he said. He started reading these statistics. So he started talking about people like maybe skiers caught in an avalanche. And, and this is, happens. It's true. They'll have people caught in an avalanche, the same avalanche, they're buried with snow, and then one person won't make it, like 30 minutes, and then somebody else is making it two days. What's the difference? They talk to the person who made it, 
two days. And they said, how did you survive? You know what he said? I just knew at any minute someone was going to find me. Someone was going to find me any minute. You know what that is? It's hope. It was hope. And they're like, well, why did you think that? And he goes, I don't know. I just knew. I just knew someone was going to find I knew they were looking. And I knew at any minute. I couldn't give up because at any minute they were going to find me. That's the difference. It's hope. That's the difference with us. Because I don't know what you're going through or been through, but have you ever noticed that if you have hope, it just makes it better. You can make it through almost anything if you have hope. Hope is such a powerful, powerful thing. And our world, though, is it's a difficult world, and life is difficult. People are full of questions. Do you notice that there's huge questions that people have about life? And everybody has the same questions, and it seems like every religion tries to answer those questions. Any of people who claim to not have a religion, they still have a belief system. I'm not going to call it a religion, but they still have a belief system, and that belief system tries to answer the same questions. As humans, we're, I think we're born with these questions. I think God did it on purpose because he wanted us to find him, but he wanted us to choose to find him. So he put these questions in us that as we go through life, we're just yearning to know. Deep questions. Why am I here? Where am I going? Where do I go? What happens after death? You can look through a human history and people try to answer those questions. What do we do? And I believe in hope. And I believe that Christianity gives the most incredible hope. I would rather live in a world with God than without God. Because without God... There's really no point and there's no hope. There's a lot of people have decided that there is no God or that he's not real. I understand that. I, I get where they're coming from. I get the questions. And I get that sometimes it's tough to figure all that out. I do. And then some people, they just choose to ignore God. God is right there. He's, and, and the book of Romans says that he's put it right in front of everybody. And nature literally screams him to them, but they don't want to see it. Have you ever been around people? They just, they can't see. Some of you moms know how it is, right? When you're trying, your kids are trying to find something, or your husband, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to find it in two seconds. You need to go look again. Anybody else? Is this just me? How do you women do it? I don't even know. But then they find it, right? People do that with God all the time. He's right there. But they don't want to see it. So they look for other explanations because they can't. Because if they admit that it's him, then that means they have to change their life. I get it. How do you, though, how do you look at a world with such incredible beauty and their intricacy I know I'm a nature geek. I mean, the closer I look, the more I see God. And I see him in everything. And the closer I look, the more and more and more I see him. Whether it's just a grandiose beauty. I don't know how many saw the sunrise this morning. Should we show, get a show of hands? <laughs> really? 15 of us? That's it. It was incredible today. It was just gorgeous. And I, I honestly, I thought I was driving here and I thought, I should go find a place to take a picture. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to do that today. I'm just going to enjoy it. Just going to see it and just experience God and the beauty of the majesty of what that is. And it's so funny. I've talked to people who are skeptics and, you know, they, even people who know me and know my love of nature and love of, like, sunrises. And I literally had a guy once tell me, he goes, you know, all that is is just different lights on the spectrum. And the way that the sun comes up and it hits it just right and the water vapor that's, like, dude, I get it. I do get it. I've looked into it. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing? As well, it's pretty, but No. You're missing it. You don't want to see it. And then when you look deeper, the deeper you look, it's even more and more and more amazing. <sighs> the intricacy. I don't know how you can live in a world and hear the wonder of a baby's giggle. You know what I'm talking about? 
you're walking through a store and you hear that giggle and you, just this life, it's just, it makes me want to laugh. And, and I just want to enjoy that moment in life because it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Or the amazing intricacy of a flower. And the closer you look, the more amazing it is. You see God's fingerprints on anything. The miracle of life itself. The fact that there is life, that there's anything rather than nothing, is a miracle. And the more scientists dig into it, the more they show us and tell us that life itself is balanced on this razor's edge of impossibility. It just blows their minds. So many scientists are coming to Christ who used to be naturalists because the closer they look, they say, we can't explain this. It's incredible. I can. And it gives me hope. It's because God created a world because he is beauty. Beauty emanates from who he is. He didn't have to make the world like this. He wanted to. When you look at the grace of of nature itself and the way that birds glide through the air or dolphins through the sea, it's just, it's a thing of beauty. Who does that but a God that wants us to find him? And what he wanted was free creatures. He wanted us to find him in hope. It's all about hope. Why is there consciousness? Why did, how did material just transform into immaterial and create consciousness itself and the idea that we're self-aware as humans and we are introspective and at one point we stop and say, who made this? Where did it all come from? It couldn't have been an accident. It couldn't have just happened this way. How did morality even come to be? How, why is there a right and wrong? Why do people have this innate sense that the world isn't as it should be? And you look at things and think it's not right. It's funny because some people look at the world and they see evil and say, well, clearly there can't be a God. But on the other hand, you could look at it and say, why do you think evil's even evil? I mean, how do you even know good from bad and up from down and right from wrong if there isn't that put inside you? Some people point to the beginning of the universe and they they say, see, there, it's all scientific and explained, and, but it doesn't because you've got to ask, where did it all come from? And yeah, if there was something that, that blew up and exploded into a big bang, what caused that to explode? There had to be somebody to start that happening. Anything that it begins to exist had to have a beginning. Where did it come from? To me, I look at that, and I just, I wonder. And I look at it, and I see God, and I see I see it in amazing ways that God created all this for our enjoyment. And I think he created it for us to wonder and to search for him and to find the truth that's behind all of this. I think questions are good, honestly. And I think people who are genuinely looking for truth, they're going to find truth. Because what happens is you're genuinely looking for truth. Hopefully that leads you to investigate. Then your investigation will end up at the truth. God does that on purpose. He's constantly drawing us to himself in one way or another. Even through the difficulties we go in life. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, he said that joys are God's voice speaking to us, then our, then our pain and sorrows are his megaphone calling to us, and that we find in him hope, hope for those things, and hope for something after that we can live through this and beyond. It makes me wonder, what's the best explanation for all of this? I don't know about you, but... Some people's explanation for the world where they say it's something that just happened by accident, that's too much. That's too much to carry. I mean, first of all, it's just impossible. But beyond that, who wants to carry all the world's problems and think that we have to do it on our own or figure out life by ourselves? We can't. It's too much. All the baggage of past relationships and hurts and things that haven't worked out, that's just never going to satisfy. You think about all the 
hate and the comparisons. None of that works. That ends in no hope. I don't mind people questioning. But you've got to wonder, why did all this happen the way it did? And how is it that life is like it is? You know, the thing about it is, when you look at some of the pain and the suffering in the world and you think, God, how could you let it be so bad? The thing is, he didn't leave us alone in all of that. He's not a God that said, here's this world and just struggle along by yourselves. It's not like we're his little pets that he has an experiment going with us. It's not like that. Our God is so different than that. He's not far and away and immune to our problems. He doesn't leave us to our pitiless little lives. Instead, what he did is he brought hope. The God of Christianity is so different. What he does is he enters into the world he created in the form of his son Jesus. And then he came to show us the way. And as he did, he literally entered into the most excruciating pain that is possible in humanity. We actually get the word excruciating from the crucifixion, the crucifixion. That same word comes from that term. And what he did is he entered into the pain and he carries it for us. He endures that with us. He's not a God that's so far away that he can't relate. He's a God that entered our world, suffered with us, and shows us that there's hope. That's different than anything else out there. Even though we're the ones who pushed him away, we're the ones who caused all this. But he doesn't leave us to that. What he does is he offers us hope. We're the ones that have done wrong. Romans 3.23 says everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. The fact is, every one of us have done things that were wrong. You know, it's funny, as I go through life, I've talked to people and said, you know, I've asked people, you know, what do you think happens after life? And a lot of people, they say, well, heaven, I'm going to heaven. Like, really, how, how do you get to go there? And usually what they'll say is something like this, well, I'm, I'm a good person. And I appreciate that. There are good people in this world. And people way better than me. But when I talk to them about it, I'm like, but if you're good, how, how good do you have to be? And they say, well, I'm better than, and usually they'll compare themselves to somebody they know, which is awkward because that's not the standard. I'm sorry, but as good as the people around you are, that's not the standard. The fact is, the standard is perfection. You might ask them, well, if God made heaven and he made the rules, how good do you have to be? The fact is, none of us could be good enough. I don't know about you. I wouldn't want to, I'd be, I'd hate to ask, you know, for a raise, you guys to raise your hands and see anybody who's ever told a lie. Anybody told a lie? You don't have to raise your hands, but some of you did, but that's okay. I appreciate that honesty. It's like, you can't even help. What does that make you? Awkward. Easter Sunday morning. You know why though? Because we're all liars. We've all done it. You know, have you ever hated or cheated or have you ever you know, it's, the fact is, all of us have shortcomings and faults and failures. None of us are good enough on our own. The beauty is, God didn't expect us to do it on our own. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. It's really a steep penalty. But again, God doesn't leave us there. What he does, the free gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's what he does. He sets the standard, but he doesn't leave us alone to create and make the standard. You could never be good enough. You couldn't climb high enough. You couldn't work hard enough. You couldn't be good enough. You couldn't be perfect enough. You couldn't take enough baths. You couldn't do it. And he doesn't expect you to. He actually pays the penalty for us with the sacrifice of his son. And he did it before any of us even knew we needed it. Romans 8, 
uh, 5.8 says, God showed us his great love by, by sending Christ to die for us while we're still sinners. He was innocent but paid the price for us. I don't know about you, but to me that's hope. It's hope because I don't have to do it myself. I couldn't do it myself and I don't have to. Because what I can do is rely on what he did for me. Well, the more I think about it, you know, we just celebrated Good Friday here. We had a worship service in here and took communion. And I'm sure many of you celebrated on your own and you honored the fact that Christ died for us on Good Friday. I read this the other day and it just, it kind of cut me short because it sounds almost, it sounds a little bit sacrilegious. Because it says, what I read is it said, if the story ended with Good Friday, that wouldn't be good. Have you ever thought about that? If it ended there, it would have ended and that would have been it. And as many things as Jesus taught and as many things as he did and all the people he healed and rose people from the dead and fed all those people, all that would be awesome, but it would have just ended there. But thank God it doesn't end there. It actually ends and begins with what we celebrate today. Because on the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead and him rising from the dead validates everything he said. It makes everything he said true. I've heard people say, and I I respect this, I understand but they'll say things like, man, I don't know, though, that the people don't raise from the dead. I'm like, you know what? That's true. But if that's your problem, you don't really have a problem with Jesus raising from the dead. You have a problem with miracles because it's a miracle. I mean, if people raise from the dead all the time, it wouldn't be that big a deal. You say, oh, Jesus rose. Oh, yeah, so did Charlie. But the fact is, it doesn't happen every day. And the fact is, it is a miracle. And so if I understand the issue with miracles. I do. Usually what I do when I'm talking to people, I'm like, well, do you think if there is a God that he's capable of doing miraculous things? And usually they'll say, yeah. I'm saying, well, that's the point of this. He actually did raise from the dead. And because he did, it makes it difference. Not to mention the fact it's one of the best documented historical events in history. And you might ask me, you might say, well, pastor, I know Christians believe that. Well, actually, we document it the same way you document any historical event. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but how do you document anything in history? I mean, none of us were there, right? For most of history, we have to believe somebody. Somebody's telling us it happened. Usually it's an eyewitness or somebody wrote something down. Then what you have to do is evaluate, are those eyewitnesses credible? Is what they wrote down reliable? That's how you document everything in history. Did they leave anything? Did it change anything in the world? That's how you look at it. And if you look at Jesus' resurrection, it's pretty amazing. Because you can compare it to anything. I mean, we've got eyewitness accounts. We've got the four eyewitness accounts in the Bible. But then outside the Bible, you've got 10 accounts that talk about what happened and that that's, this is what happened. Those, those eyewitnesses, they're reliable. They had nothing to gain from it. They lost everything for it. They lost their families. They lost their religion. They lost their popularity, their power. They died in horrible ways. They had nothing to gain from lying. Then there's 10, like I mentioned, outside sources that aren't Christian at all that mention that something happened. Jews and Romans couldn't find the body. We know that. I mean, all this is history. It radically changed the lives of everybody around them, including Paul, who was an unbeliever, James, the brother of Jesus, who was an unbeliever. And think about how it changed the entire world. These people who were cowering and afraid on Friday, by Sunday, their lives were completely changed. Not only did it change, but it changed the entire world. Changed everything. Changed the whole of everything. The the resurrection changes everything. It changes us. And maybe for you, you're sitting here today and you're, you're not sure still. You're wondering, God, I don't know if this is true. My question to you is, do you want it to be true? This is a hard question to answer. If it was true, would you change? If it was true, if we could show you that it was true, would you, would you change you? 
Because really, that's what it comes down to for everybody. Do you want to be changed? It's the old joke, you know, how many, have you ever heard this? How many psychologists does it change to change a light, change a light bulb? It depends. Does the light bulb want to be changed? Do you want to be changed? The fact is, the resurrection does change everything. And if you think about it for a minute, that power that raised Jesus from the dead actually lives in you. It can live in you. And that changes everything. Because like I said before, none of us can be good enough. And I don't care. There's some really good people in this church. Believe me, way better than me. And I look at them and I think, God, I'd like to be more like them. You know what Jesus says to me? How about you be more like me? And the fact is, the only way that's going to happen is if you indeed say, yes, it's real, and I want Jesus to change me. Because he will. We, we can look at what Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians. He says, I pray also that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. That can be you today. And it is a lot of you today. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in place of honor at God's right hand and in the heavenly realms. That power is change. That power is hope. It's not only hope for you, but it's hope for everybody around you. It's not only just hope for you, but it's hope for this entire world. It's hope for your kids. It's it's hope for this country. It's hope for this whole world because that power in you will change everything. It will change your desires and it'll change your wants and it'll change your motivations. It'll change the way you treat people and change the way you react to people. It will change you. And it's not overnight. I mean, it's a progressive thing as it changes. And the more and more and more you find you need to change, the more he will change. And what he does is he completely changes you more and more into the image of his son. So nothing is the same. So I want to ask you a question. It's a personal question. I know some people came here today and they're like, hmm, I don't know you that good. But I'm going to ask you a personal question. And if I could have the worship team join me up here. I'm curious if you have hope today. Do you have hope? Do you have hope for the future? I'm not talking about just hope for dinner being good today. I'm talking about real hope. I mean hope that changes everything. I'm not talking about just hope that your taxes get paid on time. I'm talking about hope that transcends all of that. I'm talking about the kind of hope that will take you literally through whatever you have to face. I don't know about you. Have you ever thought about how nice it would be to know the future? And then the more you think about it, you're like, "Mm, not sure I need to know or want to know that. Because the fact is, I think a lot of us, if we knew how difficult things would be at certain points in our lives, we may not want to go through it. But the fact is, God can give you hope to go through anything. Hope is the thing that takes you from today into tomorrow, into next week, into the rest of your life. And a hope that will not change. Here's how it works. Do you have hope today? Have you answered those big questions of life? And what will answer them the best? My proposition to you today is this. It's Jesus that changes all of that. Where did you come from? You came from a God who loves you and intentionally created you for you. He's so creative, he made you unique. That's why we know this, we've known this for a long time, but science tells us that every single person at the moment of conception is a brand new human being. Brand new. Never existed on this planet before. And it goes well beyond you know, fingerprints and retinal scans. It goes well beyond that. It's personality and, and who you are. It's that unique soul that God made you. And he made you that way because he loves and he created you how he made you. He wants you to be that way. 
So many people struggle with identity. And, you know, a lot of times we, we do that as we're growing up and we're younger. And then, then a lot of times, you know, midlife, you get a certain point in life and you wonder, is this what, what I was supposed to do in life? And our identity, it carries you through whatever. There's a God who loves you and made you who he wanted you to be. Maybe something shakes you in life. Maybe you lose a job or, or lose a relationship or, or, or maybe you have an accident or something happens and you start to question, is, is this who I really am? God says, yes, I made you that way because I love you. I care about you. Those other questions of life, why are you here? Purpose in life. So many times people chase after purpose and they wrap their purpose in up. Maybe it's playing a sport or having a position in school or being, being on cheer team or Maybe it's a job that you have or being a mom or there's so many things in life that we get so wrapped up in and those are important things. But God has a purpose for you that's beyond even those things. That transcends all of that. You're his child. He loves you. Your purpose to know him and to know him better. Maybe you're wondering about where you're going. I was asked that just this week by somebody whose mother passed away and he just asked me, where is she right now? It was easy to tell him because I know. I knew her. She knew Jesus. She had a relationship with Jesus Christ. She knew him. She wasn't even worried about where she was going. She knew. But he was in a place where he's not sure. And I told him, honestly, as, as, as plainly and clearly as I could, exactly, and that he could also know for sure. I told him, you can be sure today, right now. And I, we talked through it. Maybe you can pray with me that he accepts that. Because even at the end, he still wasn't sure. And it really, as we were talking, it just hit me. I think there's something blocking. He's not sure he wants to give up. I don't know what in life. I don't know. I don't know. Because to be sure means you, you give up control and everything that you want to see done in life and you turn it over to someone you could trust with your life. Jesus brings peace. There's a peace that he brings that passes and overwhelms everything in life. A peace knowing that he died for you. A peace knowing that you don't have to strive and be perfect enough because none of us could be that. It's not about those things. I'm going to ask you to do something with me. Again, it's a personal question, but I'm just going to ask you to shut your eyes. It's a room full of people and it just gives us this sense of privacy and nobody needs to know your answer. It's just you and God. And I just want to ask a question today of everybody in the room. Do you have hope? Let me ask it this way. Do you have hope? And if you do have hope, just raise your hand real quick. Just raise your hand if you have hope. The vast majority of you raise your hands. Appreciate that. But I'm going to ask it again, and I'm going to ask it a little different. I'm just going to ask this. If you do not have hope, but you want hope today, would you raise your hand? Just raise it. I see that one. See that one. I do see that hand too. Anybody else? I see that hand. I appreciate your honesty. A lot of you are raising your hands. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And um, it's a simple, simple prayer, honestly. It's just, it's a matter of saying, God, I believe in you and I want hope. You may be at a place where you're not sure about everything. You know what? You don't have to be sure about everything. You can start this journey and not be sure about everything. I don't know if we'll ever have every question answered. It's okay. But you want hope today. 
So we're just going to tell God that we're sorry for the things that were done wrong and that Jesus' sacrifice would pay for that and that you want him to change your life. You want to start a relationship today with him that literally will last forever. And he will begin to give you hope today that will transcend not only today, but for the rest of your life. Would you all do this with me? If you, if you would, I'd just like all of you to repeat this. Those of you who raised your hand, there were a lot of people that raised their hand that want hope today. I want you to be assured that you can have that hope today. I just would like everybody to pray with us. That way, that way everybody prays and you can just reassure yourselves even of that hope. Would you just repeat this after me, everybody in the house today? Father God, sorry for the things I've done that were wrong. I believe in you. Help my unbelief. Forgive me of my sin. Make me new. I want hope. I want the hope that only you can give. Help me with my doubts. Help me with my hang-ups. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you all stand with me today? We'd love a chance to pray with you. If, if you're one of those who raised your hand, and I would love to pray with you. Someone here up at the front, if you're ready to help us pray, would you just hurry and come up here to the front? And If you're one of those who raised your hand, we'd love for, to pray with you. We'd love for you to come down and pray with us. I want to give a moment, too. The band is going to lead us in a song, in a worship song, and then we'll dismiss after this. But we also want to give an opportunity. If you are here today, we see God... Pe- healing people literally all the time this happened two weeks ago one of the ladies came in she was feeling a lot of pain in her leg and as she came through the door one of the youth workers through the youth saw her limping prayed with her healed god does these things maybe you're here today and you just want you just need help with something you may not have been one of those that raised your hand but you need help with something you just want somebody to stand with you in prayer it could be physical it could be emotional whatever we just want to take a moment and pray with you. So if you would just step out. Those of you who raise your hands again, we'd love to pray with you. But if it's, if it's anything else, we just, we're just here to pray with you. So as the song, as the worship band leads us in another song, just come on out and we want to pray with you. Jesus paid it all, all to Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Oh, Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. For sin had left a crimson stain. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. What he's done, what he's done, all the glory and the honor to the sun, my sins are forgiven future is heaven
I know that God is doing things around this altar and they can stay and pray. I just want to want to challenge you all to now go out and take hope to a, to a hurting world. That's the beauty of Christianity. It's not meant to be kept in the house. It's meant to be spread. It's meant to change society, change systems, change families, change lives. That's the whole point. It's hope. It's hope that there is hope. Hope. One of the things that the church also does is help with that. Uh, these classes that, that Pastor Jeremy mentioned, you know, the marriage seminar, I mean, those are all things to help people with hope, right? To help them live this life together. That's the whole point. It doesn't mean anybody here is perfect or got it all figured out. It just means we're all found hope and want to spread hope. So God bless you. Let me pray for you and then just let you head out. God, thank you for these people in this room today. God, thank you for hope. Thank you for the, the fact that you love us so much. That you came to redeem us and you give us hope. I pray, God, as we leave this place, that you would just spread hope through every encounter we have with every person we encounter. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.